0: Hello, hello listeners, welcome back to another episode on the KFT Church Podcast, hosted by Apostle Dominic Osay and Prophetess Vezzi Osay. Here they share conversations and wisdom nuggets on Jesus, love, marriage, fellowship, and, and everything else you didn't think you needed to know about this walk with Christ. So today's topic is on mental health and I pray that the Lord would allow me to do it justice. Amen. And I pray that my words are sharp and full of power. Amen. And I pray for the grace to stand up here. Amen. Amen. Psalm 23. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall what? I want the King James version. Some scriptures, you guys should know that it should be King James. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not. He maketh me lie down in. He leadeth me beside. And he restores my. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Amen. And so I want us to go back to the verse 2. And I want us to focus the verse 2. May the Lord give the media team grace. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. So as I was reading this, I realized that God, even in the Old Testament... I blind the eyes of any witch in the name of Jesus. I stop you from operating right now in the name of Jesus. We pierce your eyes right now in the name of Jesus. And I cover my belly with the blood of Jesus. He maketh me lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. As I was reading it, I said, wow, God has been concerned about our mental health for a long time. Because for you to lead me beside still waters, that means you are giving me peace, essentially. It's a form of peace. If you wanted revelation for this scripture, still waters means peace. Because water can sometimes be very turbulent. It can drown you. It can overtake you at times. But he said that I lead you beside still waters. That means he has been thinking about our peace of mind even before the manifestation of Jesus came. And when you continue, it says what? He restoreth my soul. That means that any trouble that I was going through, he restores me back to a place of peace. What a wonderful promise. See, we have to make sure we don't get too familiar with scripture. That we don't find meaning behind it. Today, I was laying there and I said, you know, apostle, I'll preach today because this scripture just popped up in my spirit. And I said, wow, God has been concerned with our mental health the whole time. And so the whole argument that the church as a whole does not understand mental health is a lie from the pit of hell. God, in the Bible, Bible, they say, you know, some people have their own terminology. They say it's basic instructions before leaving earth. This Bible here has been talking about mental health and has characters full of good and bad mental health all along. Yet, society wants us to think that church and mental health don't go hand in hand. And so a lot of you who are religious and actually don't know your scriptures will go and attack the church. But you know when you come to this church, you will by force know scripture. Because we're not just a prayer church, but we're a word church. And so the whole time, I'm sitting there and I'm like, wow, church and mental health go straight hand in hand. And then the argument develops from many people that the church does not know how to deal with mental health. That is a lie from the pit of hell. We are spirit beings. And so... Whatever we do, we cannot do it outside in our flesh. We must do it in the spirit. And so anytime your carnal spouse or your carnal church member or your carnal family member or your co-worker decides to tell you, listen, put the Bible stuff to the side. I really need advice. They're trying to tell you that you're a fake Christian. Because your response should be that I cannot separate my Christianity and who I am. And so those who tell us that the church as a whole does not know how to deal with mental health are people who are being plagued by the enemy. Because the truth of the matter is when I speak mental health, I must speak demonic oppression, I must speak deliverance. That is the language that I am trained to speak by. Now, remember, I have years of experience in this. If it wasn't me having my second born, this year I would have been graduating with my PhD in cognitive psychology. And even that, it will still happen in Jesus' name. But... You have to understand that you cannot separate me from the Spirit. And so those of you who have friends that are always telling you, listen, put the, put, put the church stuff aside. I, I really need to speak to you. You got to start shaking your head. Like, I cannot separate myself. What do you mean? This is who I am. If you can find a way to separate yourself and give them advice outside the Scripture, it does not make sense. And some of you who are in marriages, and when you fight, you be like, "Don't give me no scripture. I, I, I don't want to hear it. I, 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 I want to talk to you face to face." That's a demon talking through you. I'm giving you scripture, and you telling me, uh, uh, "Put your scripture aside. I want to talk practically. Practicality is when Jesus told Peter to walk on water. That's practical." That's not even supernatural at this point. That is our practical day-to-day life as Christians. That is what we live, breathe, talk, and eat. So don't tell me to separate myself. And so the church and mental health is very hand-in-hand. And if more people would actually put the two together, we would have more saved people than we do now. Now, I'm not against counseling, but as a practitioner, I am against medication. I'll tell you that. Because the thought process behind medication, especially when it comes to mental health, I'm not talking about medical health, but mental health is you are mocking God. Is a form of trying to mock God because what the pills are meant to do is somehow decrease some hormones inside of you and try to change you. No, 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 no. We're not going to do that. We're going to call upon the name of the Lord. Counsel is from the Lord. That is in the Bible. It tells us that we should. And so counseling and therapy never refute it but you will not put me on psych medication for all my life in the name of I can't sleep. He said he gives his what? His beloved rest. So how is it that I need medication to sleep? Tonight, some of your demons will be annoyed by me. But I pray that you get deliverance as you're being annoyed. Because the Lord showed me medication bottles. A lot of you secretly take medication a lot of you take medication for anxiety. I already see three people with medication bottles over their head. And so joy comes from knowing that the person you have submitted your whole life to is responsible. You didn't catch that. Your joy should come from the fact that God has never told a lie and he has never left anyone forsaken. When your joy comes from the fact that you know that all things work together for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose you realize that even in the midst of crisis he leads you beside the still waters he restores your soul some way somehow and so while everyone is in panic and chaos and pandemonium while everyone cannot find a job while everyone is in recession while everyone has lost their jobs you're going through the same thing but there's a peace and many of you truly do come and testify That in the middle of the chaos, if it had not been for what God is doing in this church, you would have killed yourself. But thank God for Jesus, he decided to birth a church in the middle of Connecticut. And so even when your demon of suicide decided to bubble up, when you came to church some way, somehow, from the opening prayer to the grace being shared, God dealt with that demon for you. And so when your joy, one thing about mental health is learning how to retrain your mind. We want the power of God, but we don't want the mindset of God. We all want to cast out demons. We want to heal the sick. We want to set the captives free. We want to make sure that our word carries power. But we don't want to renew our minds to what the mind of God is. And so the mind of God concerning your mental health is to be at peace even in the midst of chaos. That even when your soul is troubled, he said he will restore it back to a place. And so it's not that the enemy won't come and hit you. He will come. He'll come in like a flood as a matter of fact. But then God will lift up a standard. Yes, Uh, depression will try to creep in. Yes, you'll lose your job. You'll fail the test. You'll fail the exam. Yes, you might. Something bad might happen. But he said even in the midst of that. And when you realize the person that you have entrusted your life to is responsible enough. Listen, that's a word all by itself. God is responsible enough. Some way, somehow, it gives you a peace that surpasses all understanding. And the reason why, as a believer, your mental health should be very important to you is because people see the way you handle attack and they draw closer to God or they flee from God. People sit there and watch you. Many of you are saying that your family members, your co-workers, your friends, your spouses, they, they don't want to have anything to do with the church. But enter into a time of warfare and let them see that you truly believe the person that you have left your soul to. I believe they'll come back around. The worst thing, Job said, what I fear the most has happened to me. The one thing that I feared in life, I never feared my mother dying. I always feared my father dying. When he died, I was like, what's gonna happen to me? But the Lord gave me a strength that till this day is unexplainable. I was the spiritual eye for my family. People coming in and out, not knowing that is what was birthing out my ministry. Not knowing that it was saving Esther. Esther is here in Christ, solid, because the way I handled the attack of my father's death, she saw it and she said, nah, I have to come to Christ. Esther texted me one day and she said, I saw her exact words, I saw the way you handled your father's death and I want to know Christ more. People watch the way you handle attack. I was just talking to a friend and she said that, you know, I've been dealing with people and these people are so-called Christians. But the minute the deal fell through, the anxiety they exuded, the way they talked down to me, the way they started being so rude, it caused me to question, are they truly Christians? People watch the way you handle the divorce. They watch the way you handle when your mom got sick. They watch these things. And you can either gather or scatter. The way your mental health is set up can gather people into the kingdom of God or it can take them out. And so it's very, very, very important that every day you repeat this. Lord, lead me beside still waters. In the midst of everybody getting laid off, lead me beside the still waters. In the midst of everything going crazy at home, restore my soul. Let me not get to a place where I'm so anxious that my unbelieving father can mock you. Tonight, God will deal with your demons. John 14, 26 to 27. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. The verse 27 is gold. It says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and afraid. He said, my peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. What a promise. We read these scriptures just for reading it sake. Do you understand that he said he's leaving his peace with you? He said that I'm not, I'm not doing anything else but leaving you in a state of rest. Thank you, Jesus. You caught the revelation. He said, I'm leaving you in a state of peace. Until the peace of God comes to drive trouble and fear, you will remain in turbulence. Until you remind God of his word in your moments of anxiety that you take pills for. In your moment of anxiety that can cause your your lungs to close up. In your moment of depression, when life seems like it's crowding up in your head, when you feel like something is choking your neck, when you can recall the scriptures and give God back his word because his word is exalted above him and he is not a man that he should lie. Every word he sends cannot come back to him void. And so when I'm in anxiety, I must remember, God, God, you said that your peace you leave with me. You said your peace. So even if I didn't get accepted into medical school, your peace is what you have promised to leave with me. I command your peace right now to fall upon me right now. Even when my my marriage looks a bit shaky. You said your peace you will leave with me. Today I receive your peace right now. You see, when you learn the scriptures, your mental health is better. When you learn scripture, you now enforce the scripture. You learn how to engage the scripture. You enforce and you deploy the scripture. You say, scripture, you must work for me. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. He said, I don't give it to you like the world gives it to you. And so it made me wonder, how does the world give it? The world can't give you peace. The world can give you a job. Once you get fired, your peace is gone. And so, those of you who your external circumstances always determine how you move, the enemy has already cut your life in half. If you were supposed to live to 120, you know only half of that is where you're going. And tonight, I'm talking to some of you because as a pastor, I've seen it when things are not working out for you, where is your faith? Where is the scripture? Where is the declaration of the word? Yeah, you had a miscarriage. Yeah, you got kicked out of the class. Yeah, you are probably going through a divorce. Yes, your your house witches are after you. But I know the one who have. I have entrusted my soul to I know he is responsible enough I know that he leads me beside the still waters he restores my soul I know that in the midst of crisis when I can't pay rent when I don't have school fees some way somehow he has never forsaken me ah uh, he said I've been old And I've been young. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Nor begging for bread. He said how can you worry? Because worry. You can't even add a hair to your own head. As the wind blows. We don't know how a bone forms in the womb of a woman, the Bible says. So we do not know how the Lord will do something in our lives. And so when you worry, you are worrying for nothing. How did this child form in my belly? It makes no sense. How? uh, It makes no sense. As a mom who has been pregnant six times, I never get over the miracle of childbearing. How is it that uh, you can be in my stomach and I push you out? That reminds me every day. I cannot worry. As the wind bloweth and we don't know where it's coming from. We don't know where it's coming from. So how dare you undermine this God that you come to church every Sunday for? What kind of game are you playing? Until the peace of God infiltrates your heart, the enemy will use external circumstances every day to end your life. Sophia. Only of restfulness you can be in the midst of chaos and he will still the waters for you the chaos will come the turbulent waves will come the big tsunami will come but some way somehow someone say some way way. Somehow. somehow it works out All things work together. Not for you. The Bible didn't say for you. It says all things work together for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And so when bad things start happening to me, the first thing I say is, one, do I love the Lord? Yes. Two, am I called according to his purpose? Yes. So everything got to work out. Everything must work out. When we went to Atria Mountains in December, I I, I had just descended down. Even the people we went with, they didn't know. I started bleeding profusely. I'm in my first trimester. I started bleeding profusely. And I literally said to myself, all things work together. I love him and I'm called according to his purpose. I called my husband. He anointed me and we went to sleep. For one week, I'm telling you, because there's mothers, mothers to be in this house. One week, I bled like crazy. Even when we came, I gave a powerful sermon. I was bleeding like crazy. But I knew I love him and I'm called according to his purpose. We went to the doctor. The doctor looked at me and he said, This blood, this is. I said, Well, I know the baby is still in there, so I don't know where the blood coming from, but we can find out. He did the little scan. He said, Oh, yeah, the baby's there. I'm like, Listen, I understand the God that I serve. He said, My body shall not reject the child. He said that as long as I love him and I'm called, nothing can happen. To this child, that is why I'm so bold to talk about my child, even in the womb, because you will die if you try. He said, What touch not my anointed and so in the midst of me being scared i remember the verse and it says touch not my anointed and i know i'm his anointed and he said do no harm to my prophet and i know you call me prophet and so ah! come on me out today my husband said babe I don't think you should preach I said listen I'm not due the enemy is not going to stop me from preaching the word of God let's go let's go let's go How, how can you be a Christian and be a punk at the same time you don't carry authority or what he said, I move from one nation to another nation. And he said, he will suffer no man to do me no wrong. He said, he's going to reprove kings, presidents, and uh, vice presidents for my sake. He said, touch not my anointed and do no harm to my prophet. going to punk me out of a situation I'm about that life No 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 you have you have to renew your mind In mental health and counseling that's what we do The whole purpose of therapy and all is to renew and reset your mind How can we be here day in and day out I'm from Brooklyn, New York, where thugs. No, 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 I'm trying to make no Crown Heights, Crown Heights. <laughs> no, I'm trying to make a point here. That even where I'm from, my brother was telling me today, he's like, yo, before He's just walking and people literally throwing up guns at him. That's, that's where I'm from. And so I'm not going to come into Christ and know my real authority and back out. And I didn't back out when I was in the world. When I was younger, I heard a story. This is why it's good to tell your kids stories. When I was younger, I heard a story and it was about a a little girl who used to walk from um, school to home by herself at night. And she used to be scared. And apparently her, her grandmother told her that angels, everyone is assigned a bunch of angels. And the grandmother told her that anytime you're walking, just know that You have two big, large angels next to you. And the story goes that the young lady, every day she would walk. And one day she decided to walk in the middle of gangster gangsters who looked like they could rape her. And she walked through. And then about 10 minutes later, she got home. And her grandmother was like, are you okay? And she said, yes, I'm okay. Why? And she said that a young girl was just raped exactly where you pass by. And they've caught it on camera. And she showed it to her. And she started screaming and she said, Grandma, this is where I just came from. And so the police got a hold of her face and they brought her in for um, witnessing or whatever. And she said, I had just walked and there was a group of men there. And so the guy who did the raping and killing, because the girl got killed, They said, they asked him, there was another girl that walked before. Why didn't you guys rape her? And the guy, the gangster, he said that she was walking with two tall, big, scary men. And so how dare I try to take a girl who's walking with some two scary men. I heard this story when I was seven. Whether it's true or not. When I started gaining knowledge of the word of God, that he sends, he deploys his angels to take charge over me. I will walk through a crowd of people who are selling drugs. And I'm like, angel one and two, let's go. When you understand the scripture, it becomes life. This is not to tickle your ears. Live this life. That is mental health. Please be seated. You must learn peace now. Life has a way of depressing you. Life has a way of reminding you that you have no Valentine. <laughs> no, life <laughs> Life has a way of reminding you that you are cold on the bed trying to be a Christian. Life does Instagram has a way of depressing you and reminding you that you don't have it all and you can't live the black girl luxury life. The soft life, life has a way of it. But the thing is, when you can do the opposite of what Satan wants you to do, you have already won the battle. This is one of the secrets to mental health. He said, let the weak say I am. And let the poor say I am. Because of what the Lord has done for me. And so anytime you see that the enemy wants to depress you. I know people when they are fasting. And they see that spirit of depression is trying to creep in. Because, you know, sometimes when you're fasting, you're open, and you can get so depressed thinking about all the prayer topics and how life is just doing you wrong. Some people can get so depressed that their whole fast becomes null and void, and it's not even like they go and eat. So I know someone who, when that happens, they will go and buy meat, put it on the stove, They'll do the opposite of what the enemy wants them to do. The enemy wants them to cave in and starve themselves and have no result. And he said, you know what? I'll praise the Lord instead in front of my barbecue. No, this is spiritual warfare. This is not encouraging any of you guys to stop your fast. But I'm trying, no Chinese food. But I'm trying to tell you that when you know it is very bad and critical and it's not that you are in a place of you are lamenting to God but you can genuinely see that depression is trying to hit you in the middle of the fast while you have uh, isolated yourself and it's not godly isolation but it's demonic isolation go get ice cream turn on your praise And you dance and praise the Lord. This is warfare. This is warfare. We take it as a joke. But these are the kind of things when you know the scripture. You do the opposite of what the enemy wants you to do. 2 Thessalonians 3.16 Now the Lord of peace himself give you peace always. By all means. Now, the Lord of peace himself give you peace. Always. In every way. A.K.A. by any means necessary. A.K.A. when the enemy tries, that's when I enter the situation. And I reinforce my peace to you. You got to know these scriptures. You got every single body here. You must know these scriptures. Because when the enemy tries you, you must go back and say and remind God of his word. And you said, God, you said peace always in every way. And so when the situation looks as worst, you said in every way, I must have peace. In every way, by any means necessary. And so when poverty strikes you, you remind him that, listen, Lord... I'm not ignorant of the fact that I need money to pay my rent. But you said by any means necessary, even in my most desolate situation, you would give me peace always. And so I need your peace to reign in this situation right now. This is why many men, statistics show that men actually go into depression more than women. Because men cannot fathom and cannot calculate when their finances are going wrong. And so most men, they determine their happiness and their joy based on external circumstances. Women, on the other hand, we do it on internal stuff like relationships and stuff. But men, if they don't have a job, yes, you need purpose. But if you don't have a job, that is when they are down the most. And so when you are the type of woman who would tell him to curse God and die, you are just a death sentence to him. Don't be a Job's wife, women. Rebuke it. And men don't receive a Job's wife. He said, by all means, he will give you peace. And you know what? When he's giving you peace, what he does is he attacks what is attacking you. You didn't get that. He attacks what is attacking you. I worked in hospice for at least 12 years. And one thing that I noticed, that the people who died fast from their diagnosis were the people who were lonely and refused to believe that God could turn their situations around. And the people who remained hopeful, that had their family around, that had love around, they ended up being moved out of hospice. And so by any means necessary, we want to operate in the power of God, but we don't want his belief system. And you see, our mindsets are either made or destroyed By five things. Our culture, our past experience, our failures, our levels of um, exposure, and our associations. Those are the five things. Make sure you either write it down or you go back. These are five things that shape our minds. And this is why you must be very careful not to take everyone's issue and make it your own and internalize it. Because everyone's level of exposure is different. You know how in school they have rate your professor? I never went on that. Because you think the professor is hard. You didn't do the work. That has nothing to do with me. Because I understood that people's limited experiences in life can potentially shape the way that I think about even my marriage. And so because you went through it, if I don't hear you from the ear of the Lord, because sometimes some people will tell you the experience because God is tapping you on the shoulder to pray concerning your own. But some people will tell you because it becomes an umbrella to keep your mind in bondage. And so these five things are the reason why you are the way that you are. Some of us, our culture didn't do us well. Our experiences did us no well. Some of us, we have the brightest ideas. But due to culture telling you you can't speak up, be quiet, do this, you're scared to speak up. But you are in the boardroom like everyone else. You have earned your way to the top, but you don't know how to speak up. This is mental health. But tonight we break every limitation. In the name of Jesus. James 1-2. It says, my brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. I read this scripture to you because I want you to understand that one of the reasons why people think that the church does not understand mental health is because the church is extremely judgmental. But the Lord said that my brethren, no, It says, my brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. You see, we have a tendency if we see that someone's there's something wrong with them because we are okay, we think that we can now talk down to them. But if, you're t- if we're talking about mental health, I need you to know how to treat others who may have a situation that is different from you. And so when we're doing deliverance here, you have no business ever in your life, one, going to talk about it outside because you call upon that spirit upon yourself. And two, when you see them, You love them with brotherly love, not with partiality. So that people can stop saying the church doesn't know how to handle mental health. Because half of you have been demonized. We've heard things as we were delivering you, but we've loved you into your healing. Some of you, that demon of rejection has spoken time and time and time and time again. Yet we have loved you to a place of acceptance. And so it is imperative that every child of God, when you are dealing with negative mental health, the Bible says, Show no partiality. Let us love one another. In fact, that is the person who you love up on even more. You use wisdom, of course. But you love upon them even more. Because demons hate love. And so there's several types of mental health. There's anxiety disorders, which is a whole bunch of them. Um, There's a whole bunch of them. And it impacts, in America alone, 40 million people. Someone say, minus me. Minus me. And my household. There are mood disorders, like bipolar. That's, that's when you alternate between being manic and depressive. Then we have the depression itself. You know, depression is when you are in a state for more than six months and you can't shake yourself out. That's what it is psychologically prescribed as, or diagnosed as, six months worth of sadness It's called depression, major depression. Someone say, I rebuke that. Can you imagine six months of not being able to come out of yourself? And many of you have gone through it. But when you look through the eyes of the spirit, you realize it was a demon the whole time. It was a demon that came with a black cloth. To come and tie you up. And when you started gaining the light, which is the word of God that we are told to preach. Then that that cloth began to release you. And one day the Holy Spirit touched you and all of a sudden you became free. So don't tell me about medication and how it's supposed to restructure your mind. When it is a whole demon that has tied you up in the realms of the spirit. I know people who have been on medication for 40 years, and they still depressed. Does that make sense? Then we have psychotic disorders like schizophrenia. That's when delusions and hallucinations, and some of you, that's the way the enemy deals with you. Sometimes me and my husband, we are in our house. Those who live with us, they'll tell you, for me, you don't even see me. I just mind my business in the room that I rented. I always joke and say they have the house and we just rented a room. But we are minding our business somewhere. Then one day somebody will call, first lady, I I heard you didn't like us and you didn't like me. And I'm like, hey. And I realize it's the demon of hallucination that is taking place in their life. Because I didn't respond to you. Because when my pregnant self had to go and pee and I couldn't wave to you. Now this demon begins to speak to you and they tell you that you need medication for it to stop. No, you need the word of God slapped in your head. Let it go inside your brain. And then we have, you know... um, We have eating disorders. See how that demon works? People don't like to call it a demon, but it's a demon. Those of you who look nice with your slim waist and you look nice and you're nicely proportioned and your muscles are showing... When that demon of that eating disorder comes through depression or anxiety, what it will make you do? If you are meant to be a nice, curvy, you know, girl, it will make you overeat and overeat and, and destroy your physical self. And those of you who are meant to be nice and thick, like my husband, he don't look nice when he's skinny. That's why I like him like this. He's, he's fine when he, you know, when he stands up here sometimes, I'm like, Lord, Bring me back. No, I'm being serious. And so one thing that I realized is people like him who stand on the pulpit. Because one of the statistics that I've been researching is that pastors get attacked with depression the most. And so I make sure that I bring happiness to my husband's (laughs) life any way possible. No, it's true. You know, it's true. And so somebody like him that is meant to be thick, tall, the way the demon will operate through him is it'll make him skinny and lanky. And he himself, when he sees himself, he won't even like himself. And then it turns into suicide. And you expect me to tell you that it's just something that we cancel. We cast that demon out you got to learn how to cast those things out. You cannot deal with, with these things at face value. And then we have extreme doubt. That is a mental health disease that many people don't know. Extreme doubt. There are some of you where we are telling you and we're showing you that the sky is blue, and you're telling us, nope, it looks gray. This is a demon that has put a blanket over the spirit of your eyes. Do you understand that? Your eyes, your your spirit has eyes. And a demon will literally come and cover it with a blanket. And so even when the prophetic word is coming, you cannot receive it. And so your mind, while everyone is being touched and everyone is singing and doing all these things, you cannot break yourself out to say that demons tremble at his presence. Because in your mind, it has been told to you that nothing can take this demon away from you. So you cannot see by the eyes of the spirit. And many Christians suffer from this. You know why the Jewish people are so blessed? Because when they see their rabbis up there, they have been trained in their mind no longer to see a human. They see the voice of God speaking. And so they don't play around at all. When their rabbi is coming, like they part the Red Sea. Because they have been trained that this person has been set apart. Meanwhile, us, we take everything at face value. Not knowing for some of us, it's a demon that has has literally covered your spiritual eyes. And so you walk in extreme doubt. Even when the recruiter tells you, I think the job is for you. You say, "Mm." when someone asks you, how did it go? I don't know. Because you walk in extreme doubt. This is a mental health illness. As for you, you cannot accept things. You just cannot accept it. Some of you will tell you that your deliverance has come. And because you go back and regurgitate the word and you go and denounce the word in your head, the demon will enter again. Some of you have OCD. OCD is a negative mental health disorder. It's a mental health disorder that affects people of all ages and walks of life. And it occurs when a person gets caught up in a cycle of obsession and compulsion. And so some of you think, oh, I'm just a neat freak. I'm a clean freak. Your OCD is a demon. Your OCD is a demon. And that OCD is the reason why your marriage could potentially fail. It's the reason why at school you want to be a perfectionist and God is giving you favor and you end up submitting the work late because you are trying to be a perfectionist. That's OCD. It's a demon that tells you that you must be perfect. No one should ever see you fall. It's a demon. So don't walk around thinking, I got an OCD so I'm real clean. No, you are plagued with a demon. We have Stockholm Syndrome. This is one of the worst things. Stockholm Syndrome. It's a negative mental health disorder that causes you to love your abuser. Domestic violence people, they go through this a lot. How is it that someone has brutally beat you up, but yet you find compassion? There is something called demonic compassion if you don't know. And some of you are in the wrong relationships. This is why soul convos don't let anyone tell you their life story unless God has given you the go ahead. Some of you, your own fathers raped you and you feel bad for them. And so when you come here for us to deliver you from a demon, it's very hard because you've fallen in love with the thing that is oppressing you. And that is why as a counselor, if you want one of the most practical things I can tell you is learning how to know when you have an issue and opening your mouth to actually say, I I, am dealing with this. It may not have me, but this is what the situation is. And then we have this spirit of rejection that keeps bothering people in this church. And so every day, half of the people that have left this church was because of rejection. First Lady and Pastor don't pick up our calls. They don't allow, protocol doesn't allow them to to talk to us. That demon of rejection is the reason why you are still in bondage. Because what it does is it isolates you from the people that God has called you for. And this is why so many people cannot stay even in marriages. Because this demon will come and speak to you and tell you that the person God has ordained for you is the person that you should run away from. The devil is a liar. Tonight we restructure all mindsets in the name of Jesus. And then we have imposter syndrome. Low self-esteem. That's been the new fad lately. I lately, have imposter syndrome. It's a demon telling you that you are not worth it. Listen, I'm a black girl that's African. That's three strikes against me in America. But I walk into boardrooms when I was working in corporate because no demon will tell me that I am not worth being in that room. I used to sit with white old men and I was only but, what, 18, 20 years old. You will not punk me out of an opportunity tonight I pray that whatever demon speaks to you and makes you think that you are not worthy to preach the word of God, that you are not worthy to lay hands that you are not worthy to evangelize that you are not worthy to stand on the pulpit and deliver the word of God I pray that that demon is cast out right now under the sound of my voice we restructure your mind we break the stronghold right now in the name of Jesus And so some of you, God has called you and given you a message. But because you carry this demon of imposter syndrome, it doesn't even allow you to open the word of God for God to speak to you to go and revelate. Listen, you know one thing about the prophetic? There's a lot of prophets in this house. But one thing about the prophetic, it operates based on the word of God. That is why a lot of you cannot prophesy, even the gift of prophecy. Literally, everybody in this house has it. But a lot of you, because there's no word inside of you for him to pull it out, when the uttering comes, you just start speaking in tongues. I'm telling you, those of you who lead worship, if the person speaks more than two seconds in tongues, don't put a microphone to their mouth. Because the Bible says that it's not for edification of everyone. The gift of prophecy works based on the word. And the way that this demon of imposter syndrome works is it makes you think that you're coming to hear the word of God. So you have no business reading the word of God. Because how dare you prophesy a word to the church. But when you read the word of God, you don't come and give Foolish prophecy. You come and give us the meat of the word of God. The word is in your belly. Out of your belly shall flow rivers. Living water, not dead water. Study your word. You too are called. It's not just the apostle and I. He said this is an incubator for those who will lead the next generation. You are called to lead. We have psalmists in this house. And not just the people even on the choir. There are some of you, God literally downloads music. You may not have the voice, but he's given you the wisdom to write the song and hand it over. But because of this demon that speaks to your your mind. Please be seated. I'm almost done. I know my time is far spent. (laughs) You see, when you learn how to hand your life to God, worry dies. When you learn how to hand your life over to God your worry and your doubt dies. I said, when you learn how to to give your whole life to God, worry dies. So imagine my little story I just told you. In Ghana, and I'm bleeding. Imagine if I would have worried. All the kebab that we were eating, everybody's kebab, they wouldn't be able to enjoy it. Imagine if I worried, would I be able to save my own child? No. The only thing I can do is carry faith that it was going to work out in my favor. That God told me by revelation that my body cannot reject a child. And so I held on to the word. And so when you learn how to release worry, God works it out for you. When you say that, I don't have anybody else to turn to. You are the only person. That's what I learned from my father's death. That I got it better than some of you who have a father. Because some of you who have a father, you know that when rent time comes, at the very least, you can call him. Even if he doesn't give you anything, at least $100 he'll give to you. But the revelation came. I don't have anyone to ask. And so I had to go straight to the source. And so it actually got me answered faster than some of you who literally depend on your, the people around you. And I have a rich uncle and I have a rich auntie. The devil is a liar. Because they are the ones who won't even give you nothing. The ones that you guys boast about. That they live in the White House and they, and they talk to the Sheikh of Dubai and all of that. Those are the ones who actually, they will never pick up your phone call. Am I lying? And so when we talk about mental health quickly, there are some characters in the Bible as well. David is a person we know he was troubled and he actually had a bunch of issues. Number one, he had depression. He had a bunch of mood disorders. Um, In the Psalms, he writes about his anguish and his loneliness, fear of the enemy, his heart cry over sin, the guilt that he struggled with. It goes on and on and on. But in David's honesty with his own weakness, he gave hope. And so in the middle of your weakness, when you can open your mouth and actually say, I am weak. It does you no justice to go around acting strong just for us to find out you committed suicide because you could not handle the woes of life. This is why we have a community of believers. And you pray that, Lord, let me find favor with those around me who truly know God. Because that, David, was depressed. All those Psalms that we be reading, if you read it, He was one depressed boy in the woods by himself. Imagine having all those siblings, and nobody's checking for you, and you just got to deal with animals all day. That was depression. Then we have Job, who carried PTSD. Your children died. You lost everything. He carried PTSD. But even in the middle of his PTSD, he still found a way to rebuke his wife when she said, why don't you just curse God and die? So don't tell me you went to the army and saw people get killed. As a result, you cannot get close to people because you should be able to rebuke the thoughts that are that come in your mind and say that, Lord, as I'm in you, I banish every negative thought of any soldier dying in front of me. PTSD is when you have images of trauma happening. And so if you've seen your mother get beat, there is no reason why when God has given you a good man in your life that you should treat him like trash. In the name of, I keep seeing images of my mother's beating get flashed. That is a demon. That's a demon. It does not want you to enjoy your marriage. And so, those of you who enter into marriage with all these hullabaloo nonsense, nobody got time for it. You deal with it when Brother Imai and Sister Keisha ask you, tell them, I'm dealing with this. They write it down, you come here, you get delivered, and you enjoy your nice marriage that you've been praying for. (laughs) Jeremiah, he suffered from imposter syndrome. He wrestled with loneliness and feelings of defeat. But isn't it so funny how he would wrestle, out of all people, he was the one that wrestled with imposter syndrome. When well, we all know Jeremiah 29, 11, what does it say? Look at you people. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil to give you future and a hope so he suffered from extreme doubt even when the lord himself told you i got plans for you even when the lord himself uttered those words to him he thought to himself how 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 are you talking to me a prophet why am i even a prophet he 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 lamented so much in the scriptures. He said, "Cursed be the day I was born. Why did I ever come out of the womb to see trouble and sorrow and to end my days in shame?" Meanwhile, God just told you that I got plans for you. But you want us to deal with this with medication? Oh, the mental health practitioners, I know you guys are upset with me, but I don't care. Super sick. Because these are all demonic thoughts. How is it that God, not a prophet, not a man, God himself spoke. And you, you decided to say no. That is why some people, it's hard for them to speak in tongues. Because they hear the utterings, but they are in so much disbelief. Oh, I think it's me saying it. I think No, open your mouth and whatever comes out, you say it. Then we have Moses, the bipolar man. Because how are you in front of God one day? Then the next day, you kicking your feet against a rock. Then the next day, you crying out to God that saved the people. That's bipolar. And he would have all these mixed emotions in one setting. That's what we call bipolar. But even in that, he was able to arise. And so you can't tell me that this demon of bipolar has taken over you so much that no medication works and deliverance doesn't work. The devil is a liar. Demons bow at the name of Jesus Christ. And so when we speak with it, with revelation, they must bow. Lastly, we have Elijah, who also suffered from psychotic disorders and PTSD. He was very discouraged, weary, and afraid. After a spiritual victory, over the prophets of Baal, the mighty man of God, feared and ran for his life. How are you a coward? This is why, that's why I'm I'm gangster in the spirit. In a dream, I'll fight you. In the physical, I'll fight you too. And you gotta get like that. And I don't say that to make you laugh, but you must get to a place where even in your dreams, you go back and say, give me back my child. Give me back my marriage. Give me back the gift that you took from me. As a mother, my kids can wake me up at any time. But after I put them back to sleep, I'm like, Lord, I'm entering back and I'm going to go get my possessions before I fully wake up. And so don't allow me to wake up. And I'll go back and I'll go and get my child. I'll go and get my bags. I'll go and get my coat. Don't steal nothing from me. In the dream or in the physical. Psalm 127 verse 2, it is vain for you to rise up early and to sit up late and to eat the bread of sorrow. Some of you, you eat the bread of sorrow. You enjoy your own pity party. You live life off of your pity story. I had to rebuke one of our sisters here. She's like, oh yeah, I've been through a lot of domestic violence. Mind you, I know her whole life story. I'm like, girl. Stop it. You have not been through it. And I don't minimize anyone's trauma. But listening to her, I'm like, you ain't never been beat before. You've been cheated on. That's trauma we all been through, except for me. Thank you, Jesus. But that's trauma everybody goes through. So stop it. Some of you literally invite these things into your life. A man never hit you, so why are you talking about you've been through domestic violence and all of this stuff? Does that make sense? And the person is laughing. Hmm. Ecclesiastes 11:5. As you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in a mother's womb, so powerful. So you do not understand the work of God, the maker of all things. And so dealing with things mentally and not spiritually, it does you no good. Because even when you fathom how you got here, you can't even comprehend it. You cannot comprehend it. Every time I feel a kick in my belly, I'm like, wow, bones are being formed in my womb. Does that make sense? It doesn't. And so practically, how do we come out? I'll give you practical and I'll give you spiritual. First practical, tell your story. Record it, write it down. What is the most destructive thing that has happened? If you know that you are suffering from any type of mental illness, some of you and my mom don't like me and my dad don't like me, so we gotta deal with your up and down, that's not fair. Write it down. This is me talking to you as a counselor. Write it down. After you've written it down, what is the most destructive thing out of the things that you wrote down? The neural tube in your mind, it takes 63 days to reconstruct it. As you write it down, that is when you begin to process that this is the trigger to all the things that I've been going through. And so me as a person who knows this and as a spiritual person, what I do, anytime I feel anxious, I go back to what just triggered the anxiety. Some of you text me and dump on me. And before I know it, I don't realize, and I'm doing a whole bunch of stuff, and I'm anxious, and I have to stop. And I say, why do I feel this anxiety around me? And I trace it back to some of your text message. And I realize you left your anxiety in a text and gave it to me. So then I have to rebuke it and pray for you over the text and not respond to you. Because I got to protect my peace. That's mental health. And so what you do is for 63 days, you reconstruct and deconstruct, you deconceptualize and reconceptualize. You write down what triggered this. If it was a rape situation, what happened? You go and you figure it all out. And for 63 days, you take a piece of paper and you begin to rebuke the thoughts that come to your mind. Because if you want practical advice, I'm giving you practical advice. It takes 63 days for your brain to restructure. People say 21, that is a lie. It's 63 days for you to actually reprocess your thinking. And after the 63 days, something else will trigger and pop up. And you keep dealing with it if you want to go the practical way. (laughs) No, because some people want the practical way. They say we don't know how to deal with things in the church, the body. And number three, if you're anxious or panicky, one thing that as a counselor we are taught to tell people is to smell something. Something that smells really good. (laughs) When you smell something that you love, it activates your olfactory lobe, which is behind your eyes. And what it does is it also triggers your amygdala. And your amygdala is attached to your emotions. And the smell now triggers a happy emotion inside of you. You want psychology? I'm giving you psychology. And so for those of you who deal with anxiety a lot, you take something that smells really good and it actually activates you all the way back to a good emotion. And so if you have like a perfume or a rose or something that makes you smell good, I know some people literally will take a baby's smell, a baby's clove. That's why people actually like to smell babies. Not everyone is a witch when they smell your baby because it actually activates goodness, good memories inside your mind. Amen? That was the counseling side. Now the spiritual side of things. Amen? Amen? Renew your mind with the word of God. (laughs) Renew your mind with the word of God. You see what I told you to do? It took 63 days for your (laughs) mind to be changed. Now you can take the spiritual route. And begin to recite the scriptures and say that, Lord, etch this in my heart daily. Within one week, you'll be delivered faster than the 63 days that you wanted your practical tips. (laughs) And then number two, faith it. Faith it until you make it. Faith it until you make it. It takes faith to climb out of that demon of depression. That hole of depression. It takes faith for you to come out and say that I can make it out of school. I will not be depressed. It takes faith. Number three, do revelatory acts of faith as well, too. I saw it on Instagram the other day. This time it was a man that walked into a bridal shop. I don't know if you guys saw it. And he started praying over the wedding dress. And though people thought it was funny, that was a a revelatory act of faith. So you must know the word for the revelation to activate for you to move on the faith. So those of you who go to buy socks in the name of, I'm buying it for my husband, it was not done out of revelation. You just did it because you heard it. Amen? And then change your environment. If you know you are in a hostile demonic home, that brings oppression to you all the time, you pray to God, Lord, give me some money to move out of here. Don't put me in this neighborhood that is full of killing. Don't put me in this area. I was listening to a girl's testimony, and she said she was delivered from the spirit of gayism or lesbianism, and literally she had to go back to school to finish her degree. And the lesbian girls told her that, listen up, I'm telling you now that you're never gonna leave this lifestyle and they began to have sex with her and she said for the first time she felt uncomfortable and she was feeling so nasty and she said she began to pray to God her GPA was like a one something but she prayed to God that if some way somehow if you can get me out of here I will never turn back to this lifestyle. That same evening, her dean of students calls her and says that we've made a few mistakes on your transcript. You are graduating in the next few months. And the Lord took her out of there. And now she's a pastor delivering people out of the camp of the enemy. So your environment, your environment is extremely important. That when you realize that this is the place that causes me the most anxiety, get up out of there. You got to learn how to leave. Forget the job, forget everyone else. Some of you have moved. We were counting. We have over 60 people that have moved to Connecticut because they feel like it's a place of peace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And lastly, your associations. Make sure you have godly people around you. Please be on your feet. Amen? 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 I want you to begin to thank God right now for the knowledge that you've gained. Lift up your voice. Begin to thank God. Lift up your voice. The people on the mic help the pregnant lady out. This is your season of manifestation. Be prepared to fight for what God has for you through prayer. again, your hosts were Apostle Dominic Osei and Prophetess Leslie Osei. We hope you were blessed by this conversation and gained insight. Please be sure to connect with us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook at Kingdom Full Tabernacle. Until next time, God bless you.